Hello, Internet! That is Brian B. Rob Rob from MassLive.com. That is Jay King El Nino from The Athletic. I am Sam Jam Packard, and together we are Still Potable! Coming to you live on the CLNS YouTube channel. If you want to watch this show, please subscribe to CLNS. We are brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel, America's number one daily fantasy or sports gambling i think it is a gambling website and so please check them out if you're interested if you like what we are doing here this is the monday or i guess now sunday free show of still potable but we are also here for you every single day of the week on our patreon page go to patreon.com slash still potable and you can get analysis from us monday through friday and so we are very thankful and grateful that you've joined us here uh, on this free episode where you can find it on the CLNS YouTube. But if you want that more content, uh, subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash stillpotable. We are coming to you today to deliver what we call the potable six-pack. That's where B-Rob, Jay, and I pick the six most intriguing, most interesting topics uh, revolving around this Boston Celtics team uh, that's occurred Generally, we do it in the past week, but I don't remember the last time we did a potable six-pack, so I'm saying there's no rules. It can be for the entire 21 games of the season, um, but we're going to pick the six things that interest us the most. Well, we're, we're opening it up to the full the full season so far. Oof. I don't, we've already done on Still Potable, I think. Um, You're getting a little creative here. I'm trying to get creative. You know, we've done four or five 20-game uh, check-ins of where this team is, and so I figured we haven't done it in six-pack form. Um, kind of a BS move to to change that right now after we had time to prepare. For yeah, our after our pre-show six-pack. meeting. And now, yeah. Yeah, our pre-show meeting of, of, of nine minutes ago. I don't know what to do. Nine minutes ago where we said, are you're we doing a six-pack? far more prepared for this draft than I am. Uh, that's funny because you uh, you think that I, this was some sort of a calculated move rather than me just not knowing what to say and then uh, talking and introducing that. So I think we're all equal levels of prepared. Um, I obviously won last week, uh, as I do every week on the Potable Six Pack, so I will determine the order. I'm going to go first, then I will kick it to B-Rob, and then it will be Jay, and then we'll snake back around the other way uh, for round two. I think for first pick, um, this may be some recency bias, but Chris Tapps Porzingis is very good, and the Celtics look a lot better when he's on the floor. He came back after missing four games uh, to play against the Knicks. I think hit his first seven shots, maybe eight shots, and just the Celtics just look so much more dynamic on offense. Their rotation looks so much more dangerous. Everything is better with Chris Tapps on the court. And really, like, it feels like a major question is just, like, what can the Celtics do to keep this guy healthy? Because when those five starters are on the court, I don't really think there's a team that can beat them. Jay, I guess, what what are your reactions to me making the best first pick of all time? (laughs) Chris Tapps came back, and instantly the Celtics offense just looked much better. He... And it wasn't just that he hit shots, which he did early. He hit his first seven shots. Two of them at least were threes. But it's just he makes things so much – it's so much easier to find a solution 
when Chris Stapsworth is on the court. The, the Knicks had Mitchell Robinson, then they had Isaiah Hartenstein, and it's like all you have to do is just run a pick and pop, <laughs> and the defense is going to be in a compromised position. And that was it. And then when the Knicks switched, it was like, oh, cool. Let's post up Chris Porzingis against R.J. Barrett or whoever else. Was and he just shot over the top. And there was one play in particular that I thought stood out. And it's it's happened a few times this season. But every time it's kind of jarring to see. But Tatum got Mitchell Robinson switched onto him and knew, like, even though he's a big man, even though I can go at him, that's not the matchup here. And that's just part of the progress. That's part of the growth. That's part of incorporating Porzingis. And when Tatum against the center is not your best matchup, you know you have another great offensive player. And he just took a dribble, calmly found Porzingis. Porzingis shot over the top of whichever Nick it was. I think it was R.J. Barrett. And it was just an easy play. Small guys used to buy Porzingis, but now he just like takes his time and just shoots over the top of their head and seems to make it like 75% of the time. Yeah, the amount of times he did that on Friday night um, it seems like effortlessly stood out. And to Packard's point, it's all about, in my mind, like how what he talked about after the game. He was like, yep, felt, calf felt great. And he talked to us earlier in the week, Jay, about saying, I don't, you know, I'm not a big minutes limit guy. I don't want to come back and not be full go. And the training staff figured that out. Obviously, he 29 minutes in that game out of the gate. I think he just watching him from an eye test clearly was moving around great on both ends of the floor there. So there's certainly the Knicks are not equipped to guard this starting five with Porzingis in the mix. I, it's hard to find many teams, period, around the league who have like a decent chance against that starting five when they're all together and healthy and clicking. So it is essentially like if he's not going to play the final 60 plus games or whatever, but if they can just keep any kind of ailment he has to the minor variety, then this has the makings for, you know, a true offensive juggernaut for, for that five man. That was a really... great Tatum and Brown game too. Great. It was, like, yeah, it, nobody will, nobody has really talked about it much. They didn't have crazy stat lines. Jalen got ejected. We'll talk more about that <laughs> soon, I'm sure. But they were just making the right play and the right read. And they were the reason why Derek White got open so many times. They were the reason Chris Porzingis had open threes. Like, they just kept making the right play and realized it wasn't about them. It was about the team. I, I thought that was just an awesome, awesome Tatum and Brown in ways that you don't always see from those guys. Joe shouted him out for it after the game. To your point, like, because it is, it was that was a game where they both, I feel like, weren't forcing it off anything. They were sacrificing themselves for those guys. And like I said, the, like, when you have that many weapons around them, it gives White, Holiday, et cetera, the confidence too. And then hopefully take some burden off of those guys as well while maintaining the high level of efficiency that this team can perform. So that is, again, a, I think another great sign in terms of where this team could be at for the big picture here. And this is this is just like a level one, just like is a not very deep level of analysis. Some might even call it stupid, but something I noticed on Friday night is that when Chris Taps is in the game, it's just their depth is that much more impressive when the rotation is just then Al Horford. Uh, Basically, you're saying it looks better when Delano Banton's not in the rotation. Yes. Every moment that Chris Taps is in the game is like 
we don't have a Delano Banton moment. It's just like, wow, when you can bring those three guys off the bench and like that is your entire rotation, basically it's just there's no real weak point um, for the Celtics rotation. And so having more good players, good for the Celtics is what I'm trying to say. That seems like, like a valid theory, honestly. Thank you. I, I go to many schools. I've, I've got many degrees uh, to, to come up with that. Uh, <laughs> before we move on to B-Rob with the second pick, we're going to hear from our friends at FanDuel. All right, let's take a break here to hear from our sponsor, FanDuel. Score early this NFL season of FanDuel at America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about fan, joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. You can do spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Massachusetts 21 and present. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Played smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now back to the show. Man, we're back with Still Potable. Reminder, go to patreon.com slash stillpotable. Subscribe today to get the best Celtics content Monday through Friday from B-Rob, Jay, and I. B-Rob, you have the second pick in the Potable six-pack. I'm going to go with Derek White's efficiency. And in my mind, the guy heard MVP chants on Friday night. We can debate whether those are not valid. I think, you know, we... The Mayas Keta heard MVP chants. Yeah, I mean, listen, well, the, the Garden, the Garden, the history of Garden MVP chants, we don't need to get into that. But with that said, Derek White. is Jalen Brown. <laughs> not once. That's, that's true. That's a good point. Well, yeah, we, we, should, we should do maybe a history on MVP chants at the Garden and do the tally on that. will be a, that'd be a fun podcast. For I, I think line. it's like too good to get mock MVP chants, but not quite good enough to get real MVP chants. Right. That's a fine so, exactly like there's a there's a like there's a fine window there and I think Jalen at this point fits right into it, um, but yeah Derek White up to forty seven percent from the field and perhaps most importantly up to forty one percent from three point range through his first eighteen games of the year and in my mind that is a huge number because not only is that number high he's also shooting close to a career high five point eight attempts from three point range and so. If you look at just his progression of this Celtics team, you know, the year they acquired him two years ago at the trade deadline, he, he shot 31% from three that year and then going to 38% last season. Now 41% while adding an attempt per game for each season, like the magnitude of how huge that is for this team, I don't think can't be understated because when you look at how much confidence that is giving him right now in a game like Friday night against the Knicks, or honestly many times this year where, when he first got here, it'd be surprising for him to be a third option on any given night. And now I feel like that's almost the norm where if Porzingis, certainly if Porzingis is out of the question, he's, you know, ahead of Drew Holiday in the offensive totem pole. So the fact that he is embracing shooting more, doing it with confidence and delivering it at career high numbers through 20 games is creating a, you know, 
an even scarier Celtics offense right now that is going to be given defenses playing nightmares um, when the starting five is on and even when it's off the floor. Yeah, he had he's only taken more threes per game once in his career, and that was on a pretty bad Spurs team. And he shot 34% from three when he did it. Right. Now he's super efficient with those extra opportunities. And it's just, to me, it's more about the shots that he's hunting now compared to the percentages. It's like when guys go under, he just stops and pops. When there was one play against the Knicks where they guarded him, he, he crossed over right to left, went back behind the screen, pulled up, schwap. And those are the shots that he would not take when he first got to the Celtics. Those are the shots he's knocking down with full consistency now. And that changes things because, like like Drew Holiday said it the other day, he's like, sometimes they put their worst defender on Derek Wyatt. <laughs> and that's kind of disrespectful. And it is. But also, there's against that starting lineup, there's nowhere to hide a bad defender. So if Derek White is playing with confidence, if Derek White is scoring, if Derek White is being a threat, then you're just in a lot of trouble. And the Celtics' backcourt against New York one thing that I don't talk about enough, at least, is the size and physicality of the Celtics backcourt. Both Drew Holiday and Derek White had uh, several strong drives to the basket where they just bullied Jalen Brunson. They bullied even some of New York's other guards. Quentin Grimes once, I think, Drew Holiday got. It's like they're big, they're physical, and if you have a weak link, if you have a smaller guy, they can just take advantage of you. And so Derek White... He's been so good this season, but his scoring um, is something that that just puts teams in a bind because if he's scoring, then then you're in trouble and there's really like nowhere for a bad defender to hide. His like willingness to take shots is just so much changed from when he first got here. Like he was turning down open threes in his first kind of like season with the Celtics, and it was a problem. Yeah. And now you mentioned like he's taking those kind of looking for his three. He's just taking, I think he took like in the right corner against the Knicks, just like three that was like, that's wildly contested. Like that is not an open three. And he made it. And it just creates like such a different level of uh, aggression and the need for the defenses to account for him. But I also think like, I don't know if it's underrated. It just comes back. And I think Jay, we've talked about this. I don't understand how Derek White gets so many opportunities in the paint like he seems like he's smaller but he's just a very good driver in terms of um he's a big guard though he's a big guard but his just like the way he approaches the basket he has this like kind of slow herky-jerky style where he can like change speeds and he just creates opportunities in like wall draw on drives that i just when the the drive starts i go i don't understand how this is going to go in but it goes in a lot of like a lot of the time. And so I think his ability to, to like be aggressive from three, but then can also take you off the dribble and drive. And the fact that it, what, he's the fourth option on this team right now. And like you mentioned, like how good a game Jalen and Jason have, but like they're passing to Chris Stapps obviously makes it that much easier. Well, they're just passing to Derek white and he's knocking down six threes. All they, it makes the game so much easier for them because they're going to get a lot of attention, but they just have to make the right pass. And so I think just his uh, kind of dynamic scoring where you press up on him. He's going to drive past you. He's going to find a way to score or you go under the screen. He's going to knock down threes. It's just huge for this team. And I think his response to like owning up to having a pretty bad second half against the Pacers and then coming out and having his best scoring game of the season. 
I think like one, it's just kind of cool to see a player own up to that and then go out there and be able to respond. Cause it's one thing to say, yeah, I had a shitty game. It's another thing to go out and then just have a very good game. Um, and so I think he deserves a lot of credit just for um, his consistency this year. I think he's had some maybe down games here or there, but he always seems to respond pretty well. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And I mean, even going back to like last postseason, like game seven, when Tatum went down in that game, like White was the only guy who was, I feel like, able to, you know, create stuff himself and do anything offensively to give the team a chance in that game when things went haywire. And I think that's kind of foreshadowing that next leap he's taken this year with, you know, the, the aggressiveness and the, the confidence that you guys just talked about. And so, I know it's funny, like, he's never going to make an all star team, like, with this team. There's just, I feel like, just, he's not going to have enough of the numbers and there's too many, too much talent around it here to, for him to kind of break through. But through 20 games, when you factor in the defense, I feel like this is like a certainly an all-star caliber type year that he's putting together. If he was able to sustain this, he'll, again, he's not going to, he'd have to put up like 20 points per game and have this kind of efficiency. I think to like to actually get votes and against the competition there. But I mean, he might be the, you know, the second or third, you know, most consistent Celtic easily this year. And it's it's crazy because from where he was two years ago to where he is now shooting wise, like beyond Sam Hauser, is there anyone other than Derek White you'd rather have shooting an open shot for the Celtics? I don't not. know. I'd I don't probably know. go with Jason Tatum, but I mean that's, you could certainly choose Jason Tatum, but <laughs> but White is at, White is up there though, you know, and and to be a knock, not just like a pretty good shooter, he's become a knockdown shooter, which is the improvement is just startling. What percentage do you become a knockdown shooter? Is to like me, over to 40%? me, knockdown is, is like a feel. Like, if well, describe open, that feeling. If you're open, do I expect you to make it with great consistency? That that's the feel. So the and, so your are your forty one percent will give him knockdown. Only have, how many knockdown shooters do the Celtics have right now? Two. Hauser and White, yeah, pro- probably. Pritchard has been that guy. Is not that guy this year yet, but I guess has the history of being. Like I put him on that list. If it was like last year. Horford has been that guy in stretches sometimes. Horford yep. in the corner. Horford in the right. corner is a knockdown shooter. Horford anywhere else is not. Yeah. All right. My pick. Uh, I'm going with the Celtics blossoming food feud against referees. Mm, like it. <laughs> it's it's been just good content. Kristaps Porzingis gets a technical like every five minutes. Jason Tatum got ejected and was furious. Although he's he said he wasn't mad. He was he's clearly mad. mad. Jalen Brown, I thought. <laughs> I thought Jalen was trying to fight the ref. He did the he did the like this, like like come on ref, like come and get some. And he I also think... stormed back out onto the court, got pushed back, and then just kept coming like three or four more times. He needed to be pushed back multiple times to leave that uh, court on Friday night. And Jalen, I don't think he did enough probably to get the first one that was borderline. The second one was just a wild call from all the way across the court. It was based off a hand wave. Why are you even looking at Jalen Brown in the corner of the bench? What are you focusing on that you're not looking at the game? You're looking at a guy who's not even on the court and you see him waving at you. Just do your job, man. (laughs) 
but the feud, and then also when both those guys got ejected, they just said some hurtful things about the referees <laughs> in the press conferences. Tatum came out, and but Jalen was it was masterful. He's what he say? He's like, uh, I I always thought my first ejection would be for something exciting, not not some overly emotional ref having a bad day. Like that's just a killer line. Ooh. Like that's just destroying the referee. And uh, so it's probably not for the best for the Celtics as a team that they have this feud going on with the refs. But as far as content-wise for spicing up games that aren't always close, I'm into it. I'm into it. Friday night ejections. It might just be you know a thing at TD Garden this year. What I like is that both Tatum and Jalen were like, yeah, we didn't get our money's worth. Like they have a company line. Like clearly, like if you're gonna get ejected, <laughs> you should go balls to the wall. Like you should throw a chair out of the court or something. Like both of them were like, yeah, that wasn't worth it. Jalen might have gotten his like more money worth than Tatum did. Tatum just kind of took his ejection, but very very soft uh, refereeing <laughs> from that. From and also all the um, hanging on the rim texts they've got this year. It's just. At what point is the ref uh, just embarrassed for what he's done at that point? I know in the handbook it says like a gesture like that is a like um, uh, what is it uh, unsportsmanlike and deserving, but like you just got to have some pride in your work. Like what happened to the refs that would my clap is, back? My thing is really why are you even looking at Jalen Brown? Why is and then also Jalen had never been ejected from a game before. Jalen hardly ever gets text. Jalen says nothing to the ref. A guy like that should get a little leeway. And and it it was great too. How many times do we find out exactly what a player said to get a technical? And Joe was like, "Yeah, Jalen told him it was some weak ass shit." <laughs> it's like, great, thank you. You're that is awesome. We should always know what these guys say. But well, my understanding ass- of an NBA game is if that is a technical worthy saying, like that, I just that I assume players were saying a lot worse than that constantly. I think Joe Missoula said like. He's heard a lot worse on the basketball court. But if just saying one swear word gets a technical, that's wild. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It was great because I watched Joe at the timeout um, after the ejection, and he talked to the referee. And the ref must have told him that Jalen said that was weak-ass shit. And when I tell you the smirk on Missoula's face was like <laughs> – the greatest smirk of all time. It was like this classic smirk. And you you know inside he's like, are you fucking kidding me? He said that was weak ass shit. And he got a tech for that. So just, it was good theater. It was good theater. And then the Celtics, it was like a four point possession, was it? When they had all the techs and nonsense happened. And then they kind of closed the door on the Knicks after that, which was another good sign. They didn't let it spiral any further than it did already. Do you guys feel like this is kind of a, even beyond the subject, like kind of a league-wide issues? Yeah, with officials this year, like you look at the Jokic tossing in Detroit a couple weeks back. The young, like there's there's like a game like that where even like the Pistons announcers are like ripping the ejection as he was going off the floor in the second quarter. I'm like, when does that ever happen? I feel like that tells you like how egregious it is. And this, it feels like there's just no discretion by these officials anymore. To your point of playing, like okay, you just gave Jalen a tech. 
and now you're walking in the ways across the court like you should not be looking to give him a second tech right now unless he does absolutely something outrageous and waving at an official from while well, he's subbing out of the game is exactly not that so that's like i feel like the nba has to look hard at this shit yeah it's just it's just unnecessary i feel like they've gone so far toward trying to get rid of the disrespect that they just create hostility like there's no need for the hanging on the rim text it doesn't impact the play guys aren't hanging on the rim for that long who cares just let it go all you do by calling those is create hostility between the refs and the players because the refs have to call they're being told they have to call this stuff and then the players are like what the fuck like we shouldn't have these punishments for doing basically nothing um so i i think the it needs to come from the top down of the league like just be a little more lenient and i think normally every year stuff like this happens and then by the end of the season is just kind of back to normal so maybe that'll happen again but it's just like when you call things so tight it's it's just going to infuriate everyone involved and just makes no sense to me it's also like they you have you have words too like you can just talk back to Jalen and just be like, no, it wasn't. Like it was a foul. And like there's no need to bring whistles into this situation. Like, where's Joey Crawford just like screaming at Tim Duncan? Like, where the rest well, more- Joe Crawford once teed up Tim Duncan for laughing on the bench. So <laughs> let, let's not bring him up as the, he's not the, the best example, him. but there is that like was a Joey way- Crawford, right? I think it was. Yeah, well, yeah, it was you, that's it. But there's a way in which the refs like you have a voice in this too. You are able to use it. Like, do not just rely on your whistle. Yes, if something's just like so, like wildly disrespectful about you, or just like crosses a line after some warnings or something like that. But a simple like just use of profanity should not be attacked. And then just to be looking for an excuse to uh, kind of pile on after that, after he's upset about the first tech, it just seems like they've lost all control. I have a question for you, to you know, esteemed journalists. Gary Washburn was not at the game, so he was not the pool reporter for this game to ask the refs about the tech. Uh, Himmelsbach was. What would have taken for me to be the pool reporter? <laughs> Do I have to be a union member or an actual writer to be the pool reporter in that situation? Uh, it probably would have taken 10 to 12 illnesses, injuries. <laughs> yeah, must have had to pull out that. Like, no, I like- couldn't just ask? Like maybe a few, how does that maybe a few how does that happen? How do you guys decide who the pool reporter is? I think I mean generally Himmelsbach takes charge of that of like or Gary usually, but it is. I think maybe we'll we'll start we'll we'll, we'll put your name in. We'll we'll start voting on it. Like, all right, who's gonna be pulp reporter tonight? All right, I'm nominating Jam Packard. And um you can you can maybe you know campaign a little bit to the well, group. then I got to be rooting for ejections, you know, and maybe with this Celtics team, we're going to get one every Friday night. It's just something I thought of on Friday. It's like, how does that t- decision get made? Um, Adam Himmels. What happens on a Zoom, too? It's not even an in-person interview. You got to it's a, it's a Zoom interview. Of the, the official oh, you don't team. even get to go to the official's locker room and ask them it's over Zoom? Yeah, Zoom. Yes. Oh, that's stupid. I don't want to even do it anymore. <laughs> All right. Before we get to the second round of the Potable Six Pack, we're going to hear from our friends at Factor. This holiday season, you might be looking for healthy, convenient meals to keep you energized on your jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, 
eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Listen, the holidays are a busy season. I know I have exams coming up. It just takes all the thinking out of going to the grocery stores. There's no stress over meal prepping. With Factor, you can just choose from 35-plus weekly flavor-packed meals, fresh, never-frozen meals that support your healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, and they're delivered right to your door and ready to eat within two minutes. If you're too busy running around to plan lunch, to do all those things, you have meals ready for you in two minutes, and they have a wide menu, a wide a number of different options. And so they also have a lunch-to-go option, which is perfect if you just don't want to do that much thinking during the day. So if you want meals, healthy meals that are uh, will save you time and keep you uh, stress-free, Go to factormeals.com slash winning50 and use code winning50 to get 50% off. That's winning50 at factormeals.com slash winning50 to get 50% off your order today. And we're back. Remember, go to patreon.com slash stillpotable if you want to subscribe for daily content Monday through Friday from B-Rob, J and I. That's patreon.com slash stillpotable. Jay. Lead us off with the first pick of the second round. I just want to say first that you uh, used poor grammar there. For someone who just touted all the schools he's gone to, all the degrees, that was not an and I situation. It should have been me, B-Rob, and Jay. I accept your feedback, and I'll use it next time I come back from a break. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would correct anyone else in the world. But I, I just like to to get at you for some reason. Yeah, ever since you called me Cheddar Bob, I've like had a real downturn in self esteem. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Uh, anyway, I'm going with Celtics home dominance. They are ten and zero at TD Garden. They have a net rating of seventeen point two points per hundred possessions that they're beating teams by so far this season, and I just feel like that needed to happen. <laughs> like <laughs> Joe Mazzola was asked about it, kind of said, I don't know what's going on. Like, who knows? But they got their asses kicked at TD Garden plenty of times throughout the playoffs last year. They gave up so many games. They had longer series because Trey Young, you know, gave them 13 points or whatever it was in the fourth quarter on their home floor. They had longer series against Philadelphia because they let James Harden get 40-something on the parquet floor when Joel Embiid wasn't even playing. They had Miami. They lose the first two at home and put themselves in an impossible situation. So taking care of business at home, it may not seem like the most important thing, but after what happened in the playoffs, setting a tone of this is – our court, nobody's going to come in here and beat us. We're actually going to kick the crap out of everybody who walks into Boston. That's just a good sign to me. It shows the business-like approach they've taken into the season. And I just think you know, that needs to continue into the playoffs because they love playing seven-game series. They love playing long series. And they should probably not do that. Like Every once in a while, it's okay to sweep somebody. Every once in a while, it's okay 
to to just play your best at all times. Um, but the the home record, ten straight wins at home is really good start there. Yeah, the the splits are phenomenal for them at home right now. Um, I think their net rating at home is like plus twenty something easily. Tops in the league, they have the, easily the best offense in the league at home. And yeah, this is the 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 one seed for them is clearly right there this year. Like, and they're going to have competition for it, but they've played one of the toughest schedules in the league to this point, and they're still a game and a half up on the one seed. These so like home court's going to matter a lot this postseason, and it's there for them. And if they can sustain this early and carry it through the postseason, where I feel like last year, Jam, like they had all sorts of just like random home losses. You're like, what the hell? Whether it was the Pacers or the Magic is no longer a random home loss, but it's there are still plenty of those types last year where you wondered like, why can't they just figure it out on, on the, in the friendly confines of the garden? Do you guys have any explanation for this? Like I was just looking back at the schedule. They haven't played that many like difficult games at home. They played the Bucks, I think is the kind of closest, most difficult game, but then he early in the season, they weren't really playing that well. They play the Sixers without uh, Embiid and Maxi. But other than that, they haven't played that many like, you know, juggernauts. So, but still 10 and 0 is kind of wild. The splits are kind of wild. The Peyton Pritchard's shooting splits are <laughs> like most, the most dynamic, like drastic thing there is. Like, I don't understand, but I just don't have a great explanation for why this is other than just like people cheering me on, makes me play better. But we've seen as Jay talked about, that has not been the case in like the past three years of the Celtics. Like, I obviously think the Celtics and like the the Celtics fans like TD Garden is one of the best environments to play in, uh, but I don't have an explanation for this year of us like why they're that much better. Uh, and I'm wondering if you two have one other than like if you play uh, I think it's, it's what Joe Mazzulla said. Shoulder shrug. <laughs> <laughs> and not at all. <laughs> a huge focus. Under was it was it Ime who who came in and was like we need to be better on the road we need to be road warriors yeah mm-hmm. and and he like really focused on how they had to learn how to win on the road and they've been fantastic on the road they've won so many big games elimination games over the last couple of years like that's part of their DNA or at least it was in their former iteration now I guess we'll see they're it's a very new team, a lot of new faces. Um, but like you also have to take care of business at home and it's been part of their DNA to lose games in like just stunning fashion at home. The, the Milwaukee game five in 2022 when they were up like 12 or 13 points with five minutes left and then didn't rebound a free throw and allowed was it Bobby Portis to to put back a, a game winning bucket and it was just that should have ended their season basically they they then played two fantastic games the rest of the way in that series but like you've got to be able to to take care of business when you should take care of business and and the way that they've done it not just beating teams but just absolutely pummeling teams at TD Garden is is a great great sign yep all that's like those games add up over the course of the playoffs to your point jay and also 
blowing teams out of home, like keeping like the minutes level for a lot of these guys are in a terrific spot a quarter way through the year. And that's part of it. Like you beat up on teams at home, guys get the fourth quarter off and that helps a team out over what they want to be a hundred game grind here. So that stuff like that, that's a, it's a really big deal. If they don't lose a game at home for the rest of the year, they'll win the NBA championship. <laughs> That's just science. That's science. just how things work out. It's good math that, right there, Patrick. I would say that's not necessarily science. What if it, they get the two seed? What if, if yeah, if they get if they somehow go 41 and 0 at home, but are so bad on the road that they fall to the two seed, then yes, science would say they don't necessarily just like the Warriors last year championship. Yeah. All right. I, I offered a scientific hypothesis and was refuted. Uh, thank you, Jay. You've been very academic on this uh, podcast, Jay, and I appreciate that. I'm a scholar. <laughs> we all say that often. <laughs> Be Rob. Right. I am up here. Um, I'm going to go with Drew Holiday's usage rate. Um, it is still the lowest of his career through um, you know t- 21 games here at about uh, 17%. Um, he is coming off of a a higher usage game against the Knicks scored 16 points um, on 7-11 shooting scored over 15 points in the game for the, that was the first time he did that since November 15th. And why I think that's kind of curious here is like, you know, they, he, you know, Porzingis was out for a few games here, but that didn't necessarily change holidays usage um, a lot. And I think the team, if anyone offensively for as good as they are offensively, they're still trying to figure out, what the best spots for him are. I mean, I think we thought from that in the Knicks game, like they got the ball on him in the post a couple of times with, he tried to bully DiVincenzo, bully other Knicks smaller guards down there. But then outside of that, he's really been, you know, mostly a, just a catch and shoot three guy or a pull up three guy, which with, you know, variable shot selection on those fronts. But it'll be interesting to me with where his efficiency is, just where that trends. He hasn't been finishing well at the rim this year. He's 47% from two point range, which is a pretty big drop from where he was last year in Milwaukee at 54%, despite a, just a sharp decrease in shots. And you would think a generally easier shots here than he had as, you know, the second option there. So to me, it's going to be fascinating to watch, see where his offense goes from here. And clearly he can hit the three, he can do more if they need him to, but are they just better off going with their other options anyway, with white playing so well. And obviously Porzingis putting up query numbers from a um, inside the arc. It's been interesting because he sometimes seems to operate totally independently from the rest of the team. Like everyone else is running actions, playing together. And then Drew's shot attempts come from like random moments where he just gets the ball, like takes three dribbles and shoots a step back. You know, it's like, it's like they haven't quite found out how to use him. And I, I thought that one of the themes from the last game's press conferences after the game were was the empowerment of Drew Holiday. And Joe Mazzulla said, you know, it was great to see him be aggressive out there. Jalen Brown said, I want to empower guys. And he included Drew Holiday in that. And he said, that's one of the focuses of mine is like empower my teammates, included Drew in that. And then Derek White also used the word like we need to empower drew so i feel like it's starting to become a focus of their team from joe Missoula down to to really kind of figure out how to get drew holiday going a little bit figure out how to 
get him to become a bigger part of the offense because he he's not like a flawless offensive player at all. And I do think that they're better <laughs> off running offense through other guys at times, but he's also like, he's a very big physical driver. He's a, he can take advantage of some of the guys defending him and they haven't found out how to get to that in the right situations. And, and they probably need to do more of that. They're going to try to do more of that from the sound of it. Um, and maybe it's just like Jalen and Jason has to be really good at recognizing when to kick out and when to find guys. And that will allow Drew Holiday on the second side to get downhill and get open shots and stuff like that. But it has definitely been a work in progress with Drew. He's not just down usage wise, but also not as efficient as he was in Milwaukee, which is a pretty weird double. Like normally when guys have a smaller role, they get better in that role, but it hasn't been the case for him probably because they've taken away some of the things that he's more comfortable doing and are giving him things, tasks that he's not as comfortable with. Do you guys notice on Friday that he like attempted normal layups? I think with his right hand, instead of just bizarre lefty floaters, I do think that was an important part of adding to his efficiency. Uh, I do think, you know, from CLNS, Bobby Mannon may have bullied Drew Holiday into being better on offense by asking him why he was so bad at offense at the shoot around <laughs> before the Knicks game. I don't think he used those words exactly, but it was the subtext. I saw the other day on my Twitter timeline, someone retweeted a uh, highlights from a 50-point performance Drew had while playing for the Bucks, And I just – I couldn't even fathom the idea of Drew Holiday or this version of Drew Holiday scoring 50 points in a game for the Celtics. Like, it just doesn't really make – I can't compute with what I've seen from Drew Holiday. I think he has, like, a – his most dynamic or most dangerous part of what he can do now is like when he has a smaller guard on him, I think he does some very good things with the post up and just being able to be that physical Um, and whether or not he goes up with it or dishes out, I think he gets like very good positioning there. I think like, do you really expect his usage rate to change, especially when he's out there with the starters? I like, I think he's automatically the fifth option on offense. And so basic math, usage rate like is it going to get much more than 20 percent uh if they have those five guys out there are they going to look to him to be kind of like the point guard when tatum's not on the court because it feels like they very much have gone to um when tatum's on the bench this is jalen brown or Derek white's team so i'm just like don't know where kind of an increased offensive role from drew is going to come from and i kind of think that's like a kind of a blessing of how good this team is and how many options they have on offense uh, that they can Drew can just really focus on being a defensive anchor, someone who's trying to force turnovers. They forced a lot more turnovers against the Knicks uh, than they had really in any game, or less, at least it felt like that. But I don't know if his usage rate is necessarily going to change, and I don't know if that's a bad thing, just considering they have four better options than him um, just in terms of offense right now. To me, it's not so much about the usage. as like just getting him in spots where he's comfortable. Like, I don't think he's been in too many places where, like, he's he's got a good rhythm. He's feeling himself a little bit. Like, there's none of that. And so, I know, to but me, is it, how important is it to, like, work to find Drew Holiday spots where you also have to get Jason Tatum good looks? You have to get Jalen Brown good looks. You have to, to get Chris To me, it's got to come in the offense. Like, you're not going to run a lot of stuff for Drew. But if guys are cognizant of the fact that they're drawing a crowd, 
and that Drew can operate on the second side and they kick it and get it going to the other side. Like that's where the extra opportunities need to come to me. Uh, and that's where the Celtics did a great job against the Knicks was like recognizing that they were helping a lot. They had a ton of people in the paint and it was just like, got the ball swinging. And that's where Drew was able to drive guys. That That's when, when, when you alleviate some of that pressure on him, there's not any help for him. He's able to just go at DiVincenzo, stuff like that. Uh, so that that's to me like the the next step for him. But it's not the biggest priority. But I do think like he shot. I think it was fifty four percent on twos last year in Milwaukee. He's down to forty seven percent right now, which is just too low. And like that should be way higher. So they they need to figure out ways to just just get him comfortable, get him in rhythm. Um, and it, it's not going to be like running the offense through him all the time. I I, I don't mean that. Yeah, and I think part of that too, acquiring him, you know, whatever, a couple of days before training camp started, like they had a plan for everyone else in this offense before he got here. And then they obviously, you loved having Drew Holiday here, but figuring out how to best incorporate him to Jay's point, like that takes time. And when you factor that in with the percentages going down, then you don't necessarily want him taking more shots if he's, if that 47% from two point range sustained. So like he is getting older, like guards, in their thirties, we've seen declines. There are obviously plenty here over the years in Boston. Um, offensively. Well, f- physically, it doesn't seem like he's declined. No, I mean, he's great defensively. He's he looks great. Yeah. I agree. Like, that's why it's more of like, is this real or not? Like, I don't know, like 20 games. It's a, it's a sample size, but it's not a huge one. So um, they certainly could work at getting him like better opportunities and him finding those as part of it too, with better just shot selection and, you know, not taking shots when you're could clinch a game with like eight seconds left. Um, Instead, let yourself get fouled instead, probably. <laughs> For the final pick in the potable six-pack, I'm not going to look in the past, nor in the present. I'm looking to the future. And the Celtics have the one of the weirdest schedules in the upcoming week. Oh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said the rules that we were choosing from the first 21 games of the season, but now you are going to choose – from beyond the first 21 games of the season. Jay, since we this started this segment. This counterintuitive right here. I, I believe this is an illegal pick. There have never been rules to the You're, potable six You created pack. the rules. You created them. You I said them. some things. I, cu- I could have picked a FIBO Eurobasket thing. I could pick anything I want in this. It's, there's no rules I, for the potable six I believe the pack. rules were first 21 games of the season. I could have picked the fact that no one on the date. Celtics knows who Taylor Swift is. Like I, there's, it doesn't have to be basketball related. There are no rules in the potable six packs. It's just six things that we want to talk about. I'm, I'm proposing a new rule to the potable six pack right now. As a new, no leader. more Jay talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think every week, I know Packard, you've, you've, you have quite the winning streak going in the potable six pack. I think we need to post a poll to see who's who's actually winning these these potable six. Oh, oh you want some sort of Packers running democracy running yeah. here? We need to we need to see we need to like I I know you've been counting the votes on your own Packard for this, but I want to I want to open up the polls a little bit more and hear from the people. On this. I'm open to some sort of democracy or voting. I just think Jay needs to you know shut up a little bit about the rules because <laughs> this is a free flowing form of ideas and i think we all work it better was, with less so structure. you took it upon yourself 
to remake the rules. I make the rules. I make the rules. In that process, you created rules, and now you're breaking them. Oh, so when I said that the first 21 games, you you really like adjusted. You went to your your notes in this, and you adjusted your pick because of it. Yeah, ten and zero at home. I didn't. I didn't speak to what happened in the last week at home. I went to the full twenty-one games. I actually adjusted. What were you gonna pick if it was just limited to the Knicks game? Ten and zero at home. <laughs> Case in point. Case in point. My pick. Is the Celtics have the weirdest schedule I've seen in a while coming up in the next week with two what have been described as baseball series where they play the Cavs, the Cavs, and then the Magic and the Magic. For some reason, they haven't played uh, – they've only played one game in the past week, and then we get a back-to-back next week, which doesn't That's really some reason is the in-season tournament. The Cavs and the Magic weren't in the in-season tournament. But they wanted the games to be on their own on those nights. So Thursday night, they only had two games. Saturday night, they only had one game. Well, it's poppycock, Jay. I'll tell you what it is. It's poppycock. But – I think the Celtics undefeated at home is is doomed right here in this week because one, the Cavs and the Magic I think are pretty solid teams with a lot of like obviously the Magic have Mo Wagner so it's going to be difficult to win two games against them, but they have a lot of size. The uh, I feel like the Celtics have struggled uh, with the Cavs over the last couple of years, at least since the Cavs got uh, bigger and have a lot of size there. Plus, it's just really hard to win kind of these bad like baseball type series games they'll win both of them to sweep them and then to have two of them back to back i just think it's going to be difficult and so i'm curious from you guys like what would two and two over these next four games be a disappointing uh outcome for the celtics yes i mean they're the orlando magic are involved so i understand you maybe just putting two losses on the schedule because of that but (laughs) When you have when you're ten and zero at home and you're fully healthy, and the Cavs have been, you know, they're an intriguing team. They're a great team last year. Um, this year they have taken a step back um, on paper through the first twenty games, and so that's I think that's a team you can you should be able to sweep. And then yeah, the Magic you should be able to win one of those games. So no, like two and two, if you're at full health, I think that's that's a bad bad homestand. Jay King. I don't think it'd be that bad. Like two, two very good teams. Very good teams. The Cavs are, I mean, like, you're, the Cavs you're the are much be- they're much better than they've played so far. They're still trying to figure out some things with a new look roster, but that is a super talented defensive roster, especially. They're 13 and nine and won their last three games, seven and three in their last 10. Figuring things out. And then the Magic obviously have been one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. So, I wouldn't be mad at two and two, but I mean, you're the Celtics. You should try to be better than that. It's also hard to beat a team two teams in a row, two times in a row, rather, especially the Magic, who the Celtics never beat ever. One win against the Magic would basically be the equivalent of an NBA championship. I agree with that. So, yeah, maybe like handicapping the Magic part of this. If you beat Um, Mo Wagner, you should also get $500,000 a piece. (laughs) <laughs> from Mo Wagner or from the league? <laughs> from the league. <laughs> the league. The league should have that for sure. 
Jay, I just want to acknowledge uh, Nick Yelso's comment that you look like you're chilling in a chalet in the mountains right now. Um, so thank you for joining us on your weekend ski trip. Um, I don't, I think, I, I'm not a skier. I think you'd be really bad at that. Snowboarding? You're more of a snowboard guy? I would probably the be the greatest skier of all time. But uh, I, actually, I'm extremely afraid of heights. And... <laughs> Oh, except for your not having any talent for it and your fear of heights, you would probably be the greatest skier of all time. Yeah, and my bad <laughs> knees, which I assume would be a problem in skiing. So you, you've listed all these factors that would indicate you're not going to be a good skier. What I also don't like you to say I don't understand why people want to go out and be in the freezing fucking cold. Because what snow is beautiful, mountains are beautiful. Just fucking look at them, guys. You don't have to be out there in the cold. You're uh you're an interesting character, Jay. So all of these things would point to you not being good at skiing, but yet your first impulse was to say that you would be the greatest skier of all time. Why is that? Because <laughs> that's always my first impulse with anything, no matter what. I would be the greatest ever. Although yesterday I had a little tough day. Um, got home from a holiday party with my wife. I told her I'd make her some Annie's mac and cheese, right? They didn't have dinner at the holiday party. It was just a 6 p.m. holiday party, no dinner. They have uh, snacks at least? They had, they had a lot of apps, good apps, good apps. I'm not complaining here. I'm just saying there was a reason why we wanted late night food. I said I would make Annie's mac and cheese. I forgot to put the fucking cheese in mac and cheese. <laughs> You're just, I, just like noodles. I left the powder of fucking cheese, the bag of cheese powder on on the freaking counter, and yeah, it was. Uh, you just boiled her some shells, pour yeah. like uh, put them in a strainer, so, and then put them I, back I, in a bowl. And how hungry are you guys? Did you guys even? I, I put on the butter. I put on the put in the milk. Like mix it together. <laughs> Gross. I, I forgot the cheese. So I ended up making another another batch, but that was a sad, sad moment for me. I freaking forgot cheese and mac and cheese. I don't Bef know how. Like that's that should that, be would you describe yourself as the greatest mac and cheese maker of all time? I still would call myself <laughs> the greatest. When I execute, there's no one who does it better than me. You know, I I I committed a turnover. I, I, it was one batch though. When you take the, the overall net rating of my, my mac and cheese excursions, I'm way up there. I've never messed up at Annie's mac and cheese. So I would say my net rating, and I'm assuming B Rob's net rating is better than yours on all times bowls produced. I, can, I agree. I can, I'm going to see that. It was, it was tough. I think that's a perfect place to end it so all our <laughs> listeners can just listen, like focus in on the great shame that should be, uh, you know, just associated with Jay King and his inability to follow, I think is a two-step process, make macaroni, add cheese, and he swing and a miss on step two. I, I Just a stunning, stunning, stunning thing. I, I, I'll never forgive myself, honestly. That was a tough one. <laughs> We need a redemption story later. This it's week. really not about Take forgiving you. yourself. It's whether or not your wife forgives you. I think she probably is uh, 
rethinking her, <laughs> her choices in life to get to the point How where are you guys married now yeah she has a husband who can't even make mac and cheese and i never make things for her so i i, I was like oh yeah i'm making mac and cheese i'm really really doing is this, is this a long game was this a long point be like this like you can't trust me to make you things ever again like remember you the time what? i messed up mac and cheese she said the same thing but no no it's not this is weaponized incompetence at its finest, Jay. No, it was real incompetence. No, no <laughs> weapon. No weapon there. That's fair. That's fair. All right. I think we've officially gone off the rails here. It's time to close out this potable six-pack. I guess for democracy's sake, uh, we'll institute a poll and see who won this week's potable six-pack. You guys can tune in next week to find out the winner. But you can also tune in every single day for the rest of the week uh, on patreon.com slash still potable where B Rob J and I will be bringing you daily Celtics podcasts and videos. Please subscribe to the Patreon. It's a really fun place. We got a cool chat going on in the Patreon app where try to be as interactive as possible with all our subscribers. We're doing pods after we'll do pods pretty much after every game. This week coming up against uh, the Cavs, the Cavs, the Magic, the Magic. We'll see how they do with that stretch. We'll also be out there covering the Celtics as they go on the West Coast. Uh, it's just a really cool thing that we're trying to build over there, and we appreciate anyone who's subscribed. We appreciate anyone who's tuned in right now. Uh, and if you want more Celtics content from us, go to patreon.com. Audible for FanDuel. Thank you guys for Factor. For CLNS on the YouTube, for broadcasting us here today, subscribe to that so you can watch us anytime we're here live on YouTube. For Brian B. Rob Rob from MassLive.com. For Jay El Nino King from The Athletic, who does not know, know how to make macaroni and cheese. And from me, Sam Jam Packard, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Still Potable!